Amen. Are you happy and full of joy this Easter season? We have such good reason to be. Please turn with me to uh, John, the 15th chapter, as I want us to continue talking about the great cultivator, God's work in our lives of making us fruitful. I want us, as we focused last week on all that God does to plant us and to nurture us and cultivate us to become fruitful, I want us to focus this morning on our part of actually becoming fruitful, actually fulfilling His purpose and uh, sharing the life that He has cultivated within us. Uh, Dr. Sidney Westbrook is at Eastgate this weekend, and some of you were up there uh, Friday night or a Saturday night to share in uh, his ministry, but I can't think about uh, Pastor or Dr. Westbrook without remembering how loving and gracious he was as uh, we were, uh, Ginger and I were young ministers uh, seeking a fellowship in the Foursquare Church, and he just reached out to us. As, as God has called him to be a pastor to pastors. How many of you know that pastors need pastors? And he certainly did nurture us and encourage us. I'll never forget one of the first messages I ever heard him preach, which relates to our message this morning from John 15, was simply on, I hear this, the theology of showing up. He said we can get very uh, technical and get into lots of higher thinking about what it means to be fruitful. But he says, you know, he says, we've got to show up. We've got to show up when it comes to our prayer time. We've got to show up when it comes to being with our family and taking care of our, we've got to show up when it comes to going to church. He said, pastors, we've got to show up when it comes to being in the pulpit on Sunday morning, ready to share the word. And he really laid an important foundation in many ministers' lives as he talked about the faithfulness that God requires. And here we are in John 15, as we respond to God and all that he's doing as the great cultivator, it really begins with faithfulness or showing up. You know, the servant of the Lord must first be smart. Intelligent, no. Faithful. Faithful. That's the requirement. And certainly we find this in John chapter 15. And I want you to look at uh, verse 16. As Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command to love each other. Now notice verse 14 before that. You are my friends. If you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Wow. Here is he's teaching them about the Father as the great gardener, the great cultivator, 
nurturing and producing life. Then he concludes by saying, you're my friends. I have a special relationship with you in this business of cultivating and reproducing life. Saying, I I want you to be faithful. I want you to, to show up and be ready to do your part. I want you to see a connection here. As God calls us to be faithful, now hear this, in the context of this, this beautiful parable of the vine and the branches, he says, I want you to be faithful, and that faithfulness will lead to fruitfulness, and that fruitfulness, now hear this, this is the good part, will produce your fulfillment in terms of God's purpose. You know, sometimes we present the Christian life as instant fulfillment in terms of the kind of joy and gratification that comes instantly to anyone who wants it. Yet, really, the picture in Scripture is of a relationship which grows from faithfulness leads to fruitfulness, and then the fulfillment comes as we're really in a position where we know our Father's pleasure, our Father's blessing. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's what we desire more than anything else to hear from our Father, which will cause our fulfillment. This is about growing and becoming mature in our relationship with Christ. You know, we look at maturity in terms of, uh, you know, biological maturity, and it has to do with the ability to reproduce life. We see when we get old enough to be, to reproduce, we're grown up. In spiritual maturity, there is the need to grow up and be able to reproduce the life of Christ in others. You know, one picture that's helpful is to think of how the tide comes in. And, you know, the scientists can watch the tide as it advances up the beach and continues to come in closer and closer and closer. And then there is a moment of transition when the tide starts to go back out. This is a wonderful picture, illustration of how God brings blessing and nurture into our lives. He cultivates us. But then there comes a point where he begins to expect us to give back, to give to him, to invest in others. And as surely as the tide comes into our lives, he wants it to begin to flow out to be a blessing to others. God doesn't just save us so that we will be satisfied and wait to go to heaven. He saves us so that we might grow up and be faithful and fruitful and then find our ultimate fulfillment and what we're able to give to others. Now, as he said, notice this. Let's break this down. Verse 16. Let's see the very important pattern here. He says, first of all, The issue of of choice, God's choice and our choice. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Well, if you didn't choose God, what did you choose? Well, if you're like me, you chose the world, huh? 
You chose to go the other way, the wrong way. We grow up in this world making our choices that exclude God. And that's why we need to be saved from our choices. And it's God's choice of us that saves us. Aren't you glad that God didn't let you have your life just the way you wanted it? That your choices would not ultimately prevail, but God's choice for you, God's choice of you. Could you remember when you began to realize that you really were chosen by God? That you are his chosen son or daughter? Your family is chosen by him with a special purpose? What a breakthrough that is. Where we realize it's not about me and my choices. I'm not living for myself any longer. I wasn't even able to understand God and his goodness and adequately choose him the way that I needed to. But because, this is the second part, God chose me despite myself. He brought hope into my life. He brought purpose into my life. He brought the potential into my life that I could not create for myself. How many of you are sincerely grateful that God chose you? He found you in this dark world. And he reached out to you and loved you and gave you hope. Gave you a relationship. Gave you a purpose in life that you could not find on your own. You know, some people have the idea that being a Christian is just like multiple choice of religions in this world. We know better than that, don't we? (laughs) We know that at our best moment, our best choice isn't enough to embrace God as He really is. It wouldn't do any good to choose God unless He chose us first. And truly, it's a mystery what happens in our hearts with the sovereignty of God and our free will and how somehow God is reaching out to us and we are able to respond to Him. You know, that's a topic that the theologians have debated throughout the generations. How much is your part and how much is God's part? I don't know, but I sure am glad I'm saved. How about you? We will understand much more when we are with Him in heaven and we see His plan and His purpose for each of us and for salvation of humanity. But now we realize that He made a choice to save us. And we made a choice to respond by His grace. And that is the beginning of this glorious relationship and partnership that ultimately leads to our fruitfulness for His kingdom. Third thing I want us to see here in this verse is... He says, I chose you and appointed you. Now this has to do with God's appointment or God's assignment in this world for each of us. Have you realized by now as a Christian, as a disciple, as as a a follower of the Lord, that God has a, a unique appointment, unique assignment for you? You're the only one who can be the person you are in your family, among your friends in your job where He has placed you, in your neighborhood, in this church, you have a unique assignment, a responsibility to God. And you realize that God has chosen you, not just so that you might enjoy Him, but that you might fulfill His purpose 
in your life situation. Have you realized by now that you can't just copy another believer and expect to have a fulfilling life? This is a unique relationship, a unique partnership with God. You're the only one that, you, that can live your life before God. That's why it's important that we don't just follow others in the way that they go. Uh, it was uh, C.T. Studd, the great missionary, who talked about this, the, the great uh, tendencies of human beings. He called the, the horde instinct to try to gather all that we can in this world, in this life. And how many people spend their lives doing that, just trying to accumulate. And then he said, the herd instinct, where we just follow others, even off the cliff, if that's where they're headed. Jesus says, I have a unique relationship with you, and I have a special assignment and appointment for you that only you can fulfill. So what? Don't copy anybody else. Don't try to live anybody else's life. But say, Lord, what would you have me to do fourth see he says that you would go and bear fruit that you would be fruitful and that your fruit will last God wants us to produce fruit what kind of fruit well there are some obvious kinds of fruit that he wants to see in our lives, even from this uh, parable of the vine and the branches, as we realize he wants us to reproduce his life in the lives of others. How about, how about you realize that it's your responsibility to help others be born again as you have been born again? Do you suppose that that's in God's plan for your fruitfulness? Don't you know that the great privilege, the great opportunity, the great responsibility to reaching another soul has everything to do with the fruitfulness that God wants in our lives. How about the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we talked about last week in terms of that fruit which God expects to be produced in our lives as a work of His Spirit as we become Christ-like, we realize that we become like Jesus. We love in a different way. We enjoy life in a different way. We have patience in a different way. We are temperate and long-suffering in a different... There is a genuine difference in the quality of our life and the fruitfulness that occurs as we live in right relationship with Him. And the fruit that we produce that he produces through us, truly, truly remains. And then finally from this verse, I want us to see that he says, the kind of life that we live, which is different than the life that is lived by a worldly person who has not received the life that only God can give. He says that the Father will give you whatever you ask, and you will love each other. Now, does that describe a, a lifestyle that's truly worth living? Yes. The first part of that is a lifestyle of prayer and dependency upon God. We can't do that without the life that God puts in our hearts where we are trusting Him. We lean upon Him. 
we pray and continue to pray. Our attitude towards life is prayerful and that we see this isn't just about me and what I might do, but it's about God's greater purpose and it's about me trusting him and praying and believing. And the promise is that he will give whatever we ask in his name. How is it that we know that? That we really believe that? That we put it into practice? Well, it's a, it's a lifestyle that only comes as the fruitfulness grows. And then second, we will love others. He says, this is my command that you love each other. How will men know that you are his disciples? That you love one another. That quality of love and relationship which truly is an indication of your relationship with your heavenly father so this is a lifestyle marked by prayer and by love what kind of life does god want us to live a life that evidences our dependency upon him and constant communion and our love of him and love of others which truly is a supernatural lifestyle. <clears throat> now, he says, I've chosen you, now go and be fruitful. Does that mean you? Does that mean me? Absolutely. You know, I get excited about the fruitfulness that I see as God's people get serious. I heard a testimony about uh, a young man who uh, went to Angeles Bible Institute, wanted to serve the Lord, <clears throat> and uh, the president of ABI was speaking at our symposium this last week, and he says, you know, he says, I looked out at all the students from that class this year, and I says, this one guy didn't do well in his classes, barely passed, but he really wanted to serve the Lord. And he says, one day I asked him, I said, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to plant a church. president of the, of the college had, didn't know how he was going to do it. He just didn't seem to have it. And well, a year later, he ran into him, and he said, well, how are you doing? He says, I planted my church. He said, would you come and speak at my church? There were just a nice group of people that were, uh, had gathered and were forming a new church. He says, well, how did you start your church? He says, I didn't know what else to do. He says, so I went back to my <coughs> old neighborhood. Now hear this. And he says, I knew that every kid likes a birthday party. So I started having birthday parties for all the kids in the neighborhood. One a month. And I would invite all the kids from the neighborhood to their birthday party. He says, then I would fill a piñata full of candy. And he says, it wasn't the cheap candy like they have at school. He says, it was really good candy that God provided. And he says, so every month, he says, I would have a birthday party. And he says, we would break the piñata. And people kept coming and coming back. And God formed a church out of those families and those kids who came to celebrate their own birthday. Is that creative? Is that good? Is that fruitful? Absolutely. I thought also about <clears throat> uh, a young teacher that, uh, that we met in Juarez, Mexico and visited his mission at the dump site where he started a dump school. Now get this, he was a school teacher <coughs> that wanted to reach out to the kids at the dump. And there were kids living at the dump. <laughs> with their families and it was a, a horrible sight as these poor people had no place to go so they went out to the city dump and they would use cardboard and tin and <clears throat> to, 
trash, anything they could find to build these little dwellings. And they were living out there and they were pirating electricity from the power lines over the dump site. And you could see these wires running up to the power lines everywhere. How many of you have seen this in some of the countries where people are trying to steal electricity? Well, anyway, this teacher didn't know what else to do. And so after school one day, he gathered a box with all the school supplies he could carry, went out to the dump site, sat down in the dirt, and children gathered around, and he started to pass out papers and books and crayons and The kids seemed to want to learn, and so he came back the next day and the next and the next. And within a few weeks, he had a large class of kids at the dump site studying and learning, learning to read. Their families coming around, asking for help, and then the church people that he knew coming and feeding them and trying to help in any way they could. And let me tell you, in a couple of years... He had a large school of two or three hundred kids from that dump site that were learning at the dump because one teacher cared. And one church got involved and started to, to build a school out at that dump site. And then another church and another. And let me tell you, there's a great mission operating at that dump in Juarez, Mexico today because one teacher cared and went out to teach some kids the best way that he could. Is that fruitfulness? Is that creativity? You suppose that God might give you a creative idea on how, thanks Sam, how you can reach out to others with the gospel in a simple way to be fruitful, to know that, yes, God has a purpose for each one of us. I thought also of a man that we met Many years ago, when we were in college on a mission trip to Korea and Japan, Ginger and I stayed at an orphanage, which was this little house in downtown Seoul, Korea. And there were 90 kids rolled up side by side, sleeping on those floors, living on the rice that was given by the churches that knew about this orphanage. And the custodian of that orphanage, volunteer volunteer custodian, developed tuberculosis and he was so sad that he couldn't be around the children any longer. But he found a place up on the mountain where he could pray. And so each day he would go up to that place and pray for the orphanage. And as the mosquitoes would come and uh, the, the heat and the exposure became great. His family built him a little tent there in a mosquito net. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And the orphanage <coughs> talked about their friend who was up under this mosquito net praying. Now hear this. As he was up there praying that God would provide for the orphanage, he had a visitor one day who asked what he was doing. And then a few years passed and the visitor came back. And before anyone realized what was happening, a gift was given of a beautiful piece of land on that mountain where he was praying because the person who owned that property saw the man praying under the the mosquito net and God moved his heart 
to give the gift of the land and build an orphanage for those children. Because he prayed. Because here you think you can do nothing. (coughs) You're sick. Your health is gone. All you can do is pray. And so he goes to the (coughs) place that he could find to pray. And he prays and he prays and he prays and he prays. And God provides a, a new orphanage for the children who are in such need. Do you believe that God can do this kind of thing? Absolutely. Let me give you something closer to home. Listen, we're seeing the fruitfulness of this new UNM mission, Russ and Jamie out there living on campus. Do you know why I believe that's happening? Because Faith Chapel prayed for the University of New Mexico for probably 50 years. Do you believe that? And so Russ and Jamie get here, they thought it was their idea. They'll tell you now, this is too hard. It wasn't our idea. God put this idea in our heads and opened up a place for them to start to care for students. And it was really hard the first year, as you know, as they were trying to get started and, you know, paying their own way to get there. And here they are now and the fruitfulness of that ministry. Listen, how many of you know that this is about God and his kingdom? It's not about me and my talents. You know how strange it is. So much of our talk about ministry is about me and my talents and my vision and what I want to do for God. When God says, listen, you're my partner. (laughs) I want to do things for you and through you so far beyond your understanding. Because God says, I want all the credit for this. I want all the glory for this. And so I'm going to do it in such a way that people won't even question the fact of whether it was you or whether it was me. The Lord wants to be glorified in the things that we do and in the fruit that remains. Okay, we need to summarize here. What does God want? The parable here that Jesus taught about the vine and the branches and our relationship, our connection, what is our response? Well, we've got to be faithful We've got to do what we know to do. We've got to trust in the Lord and lean on Him and believe. We should expect to become fruitful and cooperate with God as He makes us fruitful in this life. We realize God just didn't save us so that we would enjoy the blessings of salvation, but He wanted to save us so that He might produce fruit in our lives that would Bring redemption and life to others. To be a blessing to others. And then we realize that our ultimate fulfillment is when the faithfulness and the fruitfulness are in place the way God wants, there is a fulfillment in our lives which is so much greater than any fulfillment that we might have in just living for ourselves in this world. We realize... This is what God really planned for us from the very beginning. This is what he ordained us for. This is how we are truly fulfilled. And so Jesus is saying to each of us this morning, he's saying, be fruitful. Be fruitful. And in order to be fruitful, be faithful. Know that God wants to to really... Work with us in a partnership 
that produces a special, a special gift to this world that's in such need. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for reminding us of this life and the dependence that we need to have upon you. Lord, you want obedience in our lives. You want us, O oh God, to truly be in position in this world that others might make a connection with us that would lead to a greater connection with you so that ultimately your kingdom would be revealed. And Lord, help us to see that there really is a purpose in every relationship, every responsibility, every situation in our lives. It's about your kingdom. Help us, O oh God. Help us to yield to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> How many of you would honestly say, as God stirs my heart, I want to be more fruitful. I want to be more fruitful. I want to be in relationship with God in such a way that He can really use me as He wants to in any situation with any person. Let's just humble ourselves before the Lord right now and pray, Oh Lord, help us even now to humble ourselves and recommit ourselves. Lord, You want, Lord, you want to use us in this world more than we want to be used. Help us, O oh God, to submit to Your work, to Your leadership. Oh God, help us that we might be fruitful in a way, oh God, that truly glorifies you. Lord, help us to be creative, things that we've never thought of, oh God, ideas that you give us on how we can serve you and be helpful for others. Help us, oh God, we pray. Lord, forgive us for the self-centeredness and the pride, oh God. Forgive us for carrying the hurt or unforgiveness. And Lord, whatever it is that would keep us from the fullness of your kingdom, Lord, just clean our hearts and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now expect God to show you opportunities, people who are in need. Show you opportunities to be creative, to reach out. To, to, to show you people that really need the help that you can give because you're there. They're within your reach. And as you respond in faith and obey and reach out, you'll find that God will be with you and God will bless you and help you. <clears throat> I also want to give a special invitation this morning to anyone here who may not know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. There's uncertainty in your heart regarding your relationship with Him, your eternal future. I want to talk to you personally and pray with you this morning and want to help you to know for sure that you're saved and that, uh, that your name is written in the book of life, and that you don't have to worry any longer about the future of your soul. The altar is open. If you'd like to spend some time in prayer this morning, may God bless you this week as we prepare for the Easter season. Let's truly put him, for, put him first. And Father, we ask you to dismiss us now, and Lord, help us to leave this place with your word in our hearts and a readiness to obey and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you.